Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokets And non-toking lovers of liberty It is Monday, May 4th, 2016 And it's got to be 420 Somewhere in the world Thanks for joining us here. We are back in beautiful Hotland, Oregon, where it's legal. Oh, it's so good to be back in a legal city. I can't tell you how annoying it is to have to go back to the black market after you've been in a legal jurisdiction. And uh, we are at the South Waterfront right now. I'm on the 26th floor at a friend's condo, and I'm looking out over southern and uh, eastern Portland, we're right above the Willamette River, got a beautiful view here on what's turning out to be a somewhat decent day. It was raining earlier today, but kind of partly cloudy right now. There's a little bit of sun poking out, nothing like Scottsdale or Las Vegas, but uh, we'll do with it for now. On today's show, we got all sorts of great stuff for you. Today is Monday, and that means our regular visit with Dr. Mitch Earlywine for our cannabis Q&A. We will be asking Dr. Mitch all sorts of questions, including uh, about a, a new study uh, that is out about marijuana users and their genetic profile. That is, is marijuana use genetically predetermined? A new study says there might be something to that. We'll get Dr. Mitch's take on that. Also, his take on what's going on with the studies on Epidiolex. That's the GW Pharmaceuticals product that is going through its uh, FDA clinical trials. There's some new results to report, and we'll get Dr. Mitch's take on that and the continued pharmaceuticalization of cannabis medicines. Also coming up on the show today, we'll get into some drug war data mining. We took a look at Estately a week or two ago, uh, the company that had put together its rankings of marijuana enthusiasm, and we let you know which were the 10 most popular states for marijuana. Well, today, we're going to take a look at the other side, the 10 least popular states for marijuana. We'll see if your state made the list. And in behind the headlines today, we've got the uh, law enforcement in Arizona. They've put together an op-ed in one of the newspapers on why they oppose marijuana legalization. It's chock full of reefer madness, so we're going to have to take a look at that and do some debunking. And, of course, we'll go into Hour 2, Toker Talk Radio. We'll take your calls at 971-533-7111. We've also got the Cannabis Radio News coming up next. That's right after our first break here. And in the news, we've got some new data from the state of Illinois and how they're doing in their medical marijuana program. We've also got the report on that uh, Washington, D.C. protest that took place over the weekend. We've got uh, that study on Dravet syndrome and Epidiolex. We've got movement in Pennsylvania on their medical marijuana law. Hartford, Connecticut, looking to have an uh, informational hearing on marijuana legalization. And bad news for a cannabis club in Fairbanks, Alaska. That's all coming up on the Russ Belleville Show. Stay tuned. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Candid. I want to give you the inside story. Captivating. I want to introduce you to my kind and amazingly talented friends. Compelling. We get to meet some of the most amazing cannabis activists and warriors around. Listen in as medical marijuana pioneer Dr. Dina shares never-before-heard stories, chats with cannabis insiders and celebrity friends, and provides invaluable perspective and insight into one of the fastest-growing industries in the world. I want to share with you what was once confidential information. Let's expose the truth, discuss the issues, and learn the facts. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com. 
Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Bootcamp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis business boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis business needs Cannabis Finance Bootcamp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. Dr. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> More flavor. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Monday, April 4th, 2016. Over 100 people gathered at the White House beneath a 51-foot inflatable mock joint to call on President Obama to deschedule cannabis. The protesters, led by Adam Eidinger of DCMJ, the group that successfully got a grow-and-give marijuana legalization system passed in 2014, openly smoked marijuana in front of the White House saying, quote, we won't be ignored anymore, Adinger said, as reported by the Christian Science Monitor. Quote, I'm not the biggest advocate of public use, but for now, this is a tactic that we need because we have been ignored too long, end quote. No arrests were made, but two protesters were written citations for public toking, which merits a $25 fine. President Obama has repeatedly said it is up to Congress to act on marijuana rescheduling, but the protesters reminded the president that he has the authority under the Controlled Substances Act to call for the Department of Justice to investigate marijuana's place on the drug schedules. Currently, marijuana is classified as a Schedule One substance, an illegal drug with no medical use, alongside heroin and LSD. Illinois medical marijuana sales in marijuana shops increased by roughly 30% in March compared to the previous month. Program Director Joseph Wright says the state's registered dispensaries sold $1.9 million worth of marijuana in March to more than 4,700 patients. It was the best month yet in sales for the program. Illinois now has 32 registered dispensaries where qualified patients can buy marijuana. Three new dispensaries registered in March Wright says approximately 5,500 patients now qualify for the program. Regulated medical marijuana sales began November 9th in Illinois. Since then, the shops have sold $6.3 million worth of medical marijuana products, including dry flour, concentrates, and edibles. The state allows its use for 39 medical conditions, including cancer, glaucoma, and seizures. A new study from the Lurie Children's Hospital in Chicago confirms that use of cannabis extracts greatly reduces seizures in epileptic children. The study involved the use of Epidiolex, a whole plant extract of cannabis high in cannabidiol, manufactured by GW Pharmaceuticals, a British drug company. Over 100 children diagnosed with Dravet syndrome, a severe form of epilepsy, were given either Epidiolex or placebo. The children given the cannabis extract had a 39% reduction in seizures. GW Pharmaceuticals believes these results will speed up their efforts to get Epidiolex approved by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration by the end of 2017. The Pennsylvania Senate is back in session to determine the fate of a long-awaited medical marijuana bill passed earlier by the House. At issue are technical differences in the wording of the House version that must be approved or reconciled by the Senate. If passed by the Senate, Governor Tom Wolf has promised to sign the bill, which would make Pennsylvania the 24th U.S. state with medical marijuana. That would also mean that over half the U.S. population would be living in a state with medical marijuana recommendation, uh, medical marijuana regulations. Excuse me. 
Even though two bills legalizing the recreational use of marijuana in Connecticut failed this session, proponents are seeking to keep the pot legalization issue alive by holding a public informational meeting on the subject. The hearing is scheduled for Tuesday at the Legislative Office Building. It will run from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. This session, legalization bills received the support of more than a dozen legislative co-sponsors, but were not called for a public hearing before the General Assembly's Judiciary Committee. Democratic Governor Malloy, who successfully pushed for decriminalizing the possession of small amounts of marijuana in 2011 and signed legislation in 2012 legalizing the medical use of marijuana, has been unenthusiastic about going further and fully legalizing marijuana. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Monday, April 4th, 2016. I'm Russ Belleville. It's time for Cannabis Facts About Alzheimer's from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. A new Florida study in the journal Molecular and Cellular Neuroscience found that cannabis promotes the growth of healthy new brain tissue. It can slow the effects of Alzheimer's and may, in fact, be able to halt it entirely. A long-term study by Ohio State University's professor Gary Wink concludes that people who regularly use marijuana get Alzheimer's at a much lower rate than others. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for it's the cannabis for industry. Cannabis Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer. Or email firedupboyer.gmail.com. indicates that in states that have legalized medical marijuana, the rate of marijuana consumption among high school students has not increased. In fact, in legal states like Colorado, teen use has actually decreased significantly. It's simply no longer a big deal for teenagers in legal states. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Welcome back, everyone. Today in the Cannabis Focus, uh, we are taking a look at uh, the state of Arizona, where their law enforcement uh, officials have put together an op-ed in opposition to the legalization of marijuana there. And it's uh, funny as hell. Let's see what we can get to uh, before our 420 break. First of all, they say that regulate marijuana like alcohol is just clever marketing that hides the flaws inherent in legalizing marijuana. The first point they like to make is since legalization in Colorado, teen use has increased to more than 70% above the national average. Wrong. The wrong part in there is the word increased. Teen use of marijuana has not increased by any significant statistical degree since the legalization of marijuana in Colorado. Now, is the teen use of marijuana in Colorado greater than the national average? Yes, it is. 
But it always has been. These Arizona cops are trying to take a number that exists now and pretend that it wasn't the same number that existed before legalization. Colorado's always had more teenagers using pot. They also like to say that uh, it's not really necessary to legalize marijuana because only 3% of marijuana users are ever arrested. Only one out of 33 of us are ever going to get arrested. So... That's just, I guess that's just the sacrifice that's necessary for these cops to keep their jobs, right? To keep, keep weed illegal is every now and then one out of 33 of us needs to uh, have their life ruined. And they like to claim that only the people involved in carrying pounds, not ounces, are the ones that get arrested. Well, this is an interesting point being made by law enforcement. You're telling us that this law is rarely enforced and only enforced against people with great amounts of marijuana then what's your opposition to legalizing? If you're not really arresting anyone with ounces, why bother keeping that law on the books? Now, one of their reasons is they say they would make more arrests if marijuana was legal. This is that old uh, Kevin Sabet logic where they say alcohol has many more arrests because it's legal and more people are using it. They actually say if it's regulated like alcohol, we'd actually make up make more arrests for marijuana violations rather than fewer. No, that's not true. In the state of Colorado, where marijuana was legalized, they are making 80% fewer charges for marijuana. All marijuana crimes, 80% fewer. They also say the black market in Colorado didn't end, it thrives. Well, of course the black market didn't end. Nothing's going to kill a black market. There are black market in DVDs and purses, and there's black markets in anything that you can create. There's black markets in cigarettes, okay? But that doesn't mean that since we can't stop the black market in cigarettes, we ought to arrest, imprison, jail, take the assets from the people that are currently cigarette smokers. They also go on in this uh, op-ed to say, since legalization in Colorado, the state has seen an increase in traffic fatalities related to marijuana. Not true. In fact, traffic fatalities overall are down in Colorado. The fact that more of the people in the fatalities are detected to have marijuana in their system tells us nothing about the fatalities themselves or how they were caused. And if there are fewer fatalities overall on the roads, period, What is the problem? Fewer people are dying since legalization. They say there's an increase in marijuana-related hospitalizations and emergency room visits. Yes, because people that have a problem with marijuana can now go to the emergency room. They can now be honest with a doctor rather than just trying to ride it out or lying about the reason they've gone to the emergency room. Same with the increase in calls to the poison control centers, because again, if your kid or your pet gets into some weed, now you don't have to fear losing your job, your scholarship, your home, and your freedom for reporting that. They also like to say the law is 20 pages of complex legal language. Yeah, we can't pass any laws if they're too long. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a reason for not passing a law. Uh, transfers regulatory authority from the Department of Health Services to a newly created department leading to even more government. Oh, no, more government. Got to get rid of it if we have a separate department to deal with marijuana. Uh, The Marijuana Commission would be regulated with industry representatives, regulate like alcohol. This would be the fox guarding the hen house. Please give me a list of the alcohol uh, regulators in Arizona and tell me what their backgrounds are. I'll bet you find a whole bunch of them have experience in the alcohol industry. Now, I'm not saying that industries should be self-regulating, but they should at least have people in the regulatory positions who understand something about the initiative and and the issue itself. Uh, The initiative makes penalty violations weaker than alcohol uh, violations. That's not true. Proposed law was written by the medical marijuana dispensary industry, which gives itself a monopoly. Uh, It gives itself a short-term ability to apply for licenses because these people have already put in the time and money to go forth and put their businesses together. There's no reason why the existing medical marijuana industry should suddenly be usurped by Californians or other out-of-state investors who then swoop into Arizona to take it over. 
And finally, the proposed law gives the statutory right to use marijuana. Yes, it protects marijuana users against being discriminated by employers and landlords for doing something that is legal. It's easy enough to figure out why they are against this. They are against this because it simply means that they are out of a job. They are out of an easy way of being able to bust people for marijuana. And we're going to continue working on this until uh, until we uh, Dabber, have hurry. it legal. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's order. Less <laughs> More flavor. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. As it relates to my brother, there's one thing I know for sure. He kept us safe. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. I hope everybody's got their vape pen handy or their pipe or their bong or whatever you use to do your medicine. But you don't, it's not a requirement. You don't have to be high for this show. Yeah, you do. <laughs> okay. I don't know who you're talking to. You have to be high to do anything. At least I do. I don't know about you. In fact, I've been high so long that being straight is another high. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the New Era. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Welcome back, everyone. 22 after the hour, and today in the Drug War Data Mines, we take a look at the data that was brought together by Estately. This is the real estate website for uh, that does na- uh, national searches uh, for real estate, so they uh, collect this information on a national basis. And a couple of weeks ago, we told you about the most marijuana-friendly states, the 10 states that have the most Uh, interest and use and lowest prices for marijuana. Well, today we're going to take a look at the 10 least friendly marijuana states. Uh, This was a a list that was put together by taking a look at how many total marijuana users are in the state and not uh, as a total, but as a per capita, you know, the rate of use, the price of pot at, at all levels, high, medium and low. The legal status of marijuana, legal, decrim, or medical, and web searches through Google and Facebook on how often they were searching for marijuana and any of their interest on pot or marijuana-related other websites. And so there's five categories. Each category gets a 1 to 100 point or 0 to 100 point ranking for each of the categories. So, So the top number you could get would be a 500. You'd be the most friendly marijuana state ever. And so remember, the top number is 500, and we'll go over the scores of what the 10 least friendly states came up with. And at number 10 on the list, probably no surprise to anyone, is the state of Oklahoma. According to the report, they get 117 points out of a possible 500. The state came in 36th in pot use with little interest in marijuana on the social media or Google. 
The number nine state of the least friendly marijuana states is the state of Mississippi, also tied with Oklahoma. So I guess they're tied for 10th at 117 points. Uh, They have the similar lack of interest in online queries about marijuana, but they're 43rd in pot smoking. So the tie goes to Mississippi. Number eight, uh, least friendly marijuana states in the United States goes to Tennessee. And every state from this point on finishes below 100 points on the 500 point scale, just 99 points for Tennessee. Not many Tennesseans are volunteering to fire up the bong. That's brought them to the fourth lowest use rate. Tennessee, fourth lowest amount of marijuana consumers and mid-range in the uh, list of pot prices. Number seven, worst marijuana state, Alabama at 95. They were tied for fifth lowest marijuana use rates, tied for third lowest Google searches, uh, and the second lowest pot prices of any of these 10 states that we're listing in the bottom 10. The number six worst state for marijuana legalization or marijuana interest, Virginia came in at 90 points. They're 30th in pot smoking, lousy on the Google searches, second to last, and uh, relatively high pot prices in the state of Virginia. Now we uh, move into the top five worst states for marijuana interest. Number five, Wisconsin at 87 points. They like marijuana, but they don't use much about it. They're 33rd in marijuana smoking, near the bottom on the Google and Facebook searches, and again, very high prices for marijuana in Wisconsin. Number four in the 10 worst states for marijuana, South Dakota coming in at 78 points. The fewest pot smokers in America reside in the state of South Dakota. They're tied for second lowest in the Google searches and tied for the second highest in pot prices. And now for the third worst marijuana state, that would be the state of Utah coming in at 74 points, third lowest marijuana use rates, dead last in Google, dead last in Facebook searches for marijuana. Uh, Relatively cheap pot prices, uh, thanks to nearby Colorado. The second worst state for marijuana, and we'll take the winner's duties if for any reason the winner cannot uh, fulfill them, (laughs) would be the state of Iowa coming in at 65 out of the possible 500 points, uh, second lowest marijuana use rates, fourth lowest for Google searches, fourth lowest for Facebook interest, and uh, just barely cheaper pot prices than the number one Worst state for marijuana interest in the United States, the state of North Dakota, coming in with just 50 out of the possible 500 points available on the scoring chart, came in 46th in marijuana use rates, tied for second to last in Google searches, second to last in Facebook interest, and some of the highest prices in America for any level of marijuana. Those are your top 10 worst Marijuana states, again, from bottom to top, Oklahoma, Mississippi, Tennessee, Alabama, Virginia, Wisconsin, South Dakota, Utah, Iowa, and North Dakota. All right, folks, stay tuned. We are going to take a break. We'll be back in just a couple minutes with Dr. Mitch Earlywine in our Cannabis Q&A. If you've got some questions, log into our chat room and get those questions up during the commercial break. I'll make sure we ask him while he's here. You can also email your questions to Dr. Mitch at 420research at gmail.com. And our phone line will be open here at This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. 
Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. This is the Russ Belleville Show, annoying Kevin Sabat since 2012. This is Cannabis Facts from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. Supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. In 1937, the second most prescribed medicine, marijuana, was banned. It wasn't about marijuana. The paper, oil, and chemical industries lobbied to end hemp farming. No longer labor-intensive, an acre of hemp produced more quality paper than four acres of trees. Plastics and fibers could be produced from a plant. Hemp can even produce ten times the energy of today's ethanol. As marijuana prohibition ends, many states now allow farmers to again grow hemp. This was Cannabis Facts from the Silvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to process America's hemp crop at hempinc.com. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. It's time for the Russ Belleville Show's Cannabis Q&A with Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Dr. Earlywine is a professor of psychology at the State University of New York at Albany and a leading author and researcher on cannabinoids and health who pins the Ask Dr. Mitch column for High Times Magazine. Get your questions ready in our live chat or call in to 971-533-7111 now. Welcome back, everyone. 32 after the hour time for our cannabis Q&A with Dr. Mitch Earlywine. We've got Dr. Mitch on the line. How you doing, Dr. Mitch? Oh, having a good day despite the snow. Oh, no. Snow all over the Northeast again. And uh, I'm back in Portland where we got some clouds and rain. So we got a, a little bit of pre- precipitation here as well. Uh, this is life. <laughs> this is life. All right. Uh, having quite a day today, too, uh, Dr. Mitch. New laptop, new system. Things aren't working quite the way like I expect them to. So if I'm a little off kilter today, that's why. Oh, hey, Skype was kind of crazy, too. So we'll make the best of it. <laughs> okay, let's get to it. Folks, get your questions in to our chat room if you have any questions for uh, Dr. Mitch. And uh, we'll get them asked during this uh, during this session. In the meantime, we've got some stories uh to talk about here and okay folks are saying no audio for dr mitch yeah that would figure let me see if i can figure out what's going on on the audio side of things because i'm hearing dr mitch just fine so i know he's there um but anyway let's get to this uh first uh topic in our uh cannabis q a today and that has to do with uh the most recent uh the recent study on epidiolex the uh uh, University of Chicago's Lurie Hospital has pointed out that uh, they've gotten some good results on Dravet syndrome. And I was wondering if you could fill us in a little bit on uh, these trials and, and, and wh- how, how much farther does GW have to go before this becomes a prescription medication? So, I mean, it's sad because basically they've gone through the first step of just showing that uh, it's fine with healthy people. Now they've got a large sample showing efficacy with kids with epilepsy. I'm hoping the FDA will cut them a little slack. Usually you have to have a larger sample than this in order to get to the the sort of stage four where doctors can actually prescribe. It's complicated because there's some states where they can and some states where they can't. And so I'm I'm afraid it's going to take markedly longer than it should. And it's unfortunate because anytime you see one of these kids have a seizure, you just it tears your heart out. So I'm actually hoping I'll get a little extra uh, mercy, uh, if you will, from the FDA to, to make this happen a little sooner. But otherwise, it could still be another year. 
I noticed the stock is kind of going crazy, so we'll see what happens. What is the uh, uh, difference between the product that they're putting together, this Epidiolex, and what we know as Phoenix Tears or uh, cannabis oil that people are getting results with uh, so far in some of these medical states? Well, in part, we're not exactly sure if the cannabis tears uh, are made the same way from each of the people who've been sort of emailing around talking about the story. And the, the uh, deal with this is this is a, a specific strain and an extract made of that strain, that strain much to the same uh, specifications as you often see on these uh, YouTube-type videos about how to make uh, the oil, but theirs has a, a better control and a, and a better standardization process, so we have a relatively good feel for THC and cannabidiol um, because all the plants are the same. We can't necessarily say the same thing for what's been going on in people's, you know, backyards. Mm. All right. Well, we'll keep our eye on this. And it's an interesting development to me because I've always predicted how medical marijuana is going to eventually lead to these uh, prepared, standardized dosages and, and pharmaceuticals. And it seems to be, at least from my perspective, that it's it's kind of unfolding that way, don't you think? Very much so, and what's curious is the initial fears were always that uh, we didn't have a standardized dosage procedure, and so that was going to be a big issue. And now, I mean, you know, the edibles all over states where they're available are, are being uh, pretty clear about, you know, this is a 5-milligram thing, this is a 10-milligram thing, and I, I think we're, we're stepping in the right direction. All right. Let's take a look at this uh, other study that I thought was really interesting, uh, pointing out a similarity or in the in the genes that is the genetic predisposition for marijuana use may also be tied to the genetic predisposition for schizophrenia or depression uh, again it sounds like one of these correlative things but uh, what can you tell us about it i'm afraid the coverage of this actually kind of misrepresented it so there definitely seems to be a heritable component to cannabis use disorders and then they kind of took this leap to, oh, and it's kind of like the ones that we saw with schizophrenia. In fact, the ones with schizophrenia have not replicated well, so it might be one of two different genes that put folks at risk for schizophrenia. And then in combination with heavy use early in life might predict some kind of psychotic disorder more generally. Um, I think actually what's inherited is your response to cannabis. So some of us know those folks who, you know, get high one time and have a total panic attack and can't stand ever doing it again, as opposed to those who use it and find it incre incredibly euphoria-producing and, and wonderful. And I think that's actually what's getting inherited, and that second group may be the folks who are at more risk for uh, cannabis use disorder. Hmm, that's interesting. And uh, cannabis use disorder, we have to remind people a little bit about that. It's a, a DSM-5 thing with substance use disorders. Can you give people some ideas of how they would know that they've got a disorder versus just liking to smoke pot? I mean, what's funny is the hallmarks have always been uh, tolerance and withdrawal, and I really feel like those just aren't the same issue for cannabis as they are with heroin and some of the other substance use disorders. And I think the thing to look for is, uh, are you screwing up at work, and are your loved ones grousing at you about being stoned all the time? And those are much better indicators of problems and you know potential need for monitoring or modifying your use. Whereas you know tolerance to cannabis, who knows what strain you're getting and how many times and things like that. And marijuana withdrawal, despite the the work from Budney's lab, I just I just don't really believe in that. All right, let's take a look at uh, another study. This one coming from uh, University of North Carolina on, uh, well, the, the headline is that marijuana study to utilize text messaging, but I think this study has something to do with uh, cravings that marijuana users might have. Uh, can you fill us in? Well, so it's, it's not an outrageous hypothesis that folks who crave cannabis end up using it more often. And in truth, the replication of these craving paradigms, we've had a hard time with it in my lab, and I know some other researchers who, you know, bring people in and have them smell certain things to try to get the craving to go. I think it's really dependent upon time of day and history of use and all these other things. But the hope is that they could have folks text message them when they're craving and when they're using in order to sort of take advantage of, uh, you know, modern electronic gizmos to make the research a little more in the moment and actually have a better prediction and a better link between craving and actual use 
rather than trying to bring folks into the lab and trying to make them crave and trying to generalize from that. So it'll have a little more external validity and has the chance to generalize to more people. All right. Let's uh, go to another study or another uh, survey this time. And uh, we reported on this last week, an Associated Press poll showing an all-time uh, high, shall we say, for marijuana legalization support, uh, peaking out at 61%. Uh, this isn't Gallup, but uh, AP sounds like a pretty reliable poll, don't you think? Well, and in fact, what I'm, you know, of course I'm delighted, and I'm sure you are too, and you know, all the years of work we put in for us to make this happen. And what I'm eager to see is, is basically that not only are folks uh, saying they support, well, not only are they supportive of marijuana legalization, they're actually willing to say so on the phone. And I feel like that uh, suggests that this may be kind of an underestimate because there might be a subset of folks who think, oh, man, I'm not going to tell this guy, but if I were actually in the voting booth by myself, I'd gladly hit the, the thumbs-up button. And as usual, the support greater among those with more uh, liberal politics, those people who are younger. Uh, so it seemed to me that as time goes on, you know, more of our opponents are over the age of 65 and they're not going to be around much longer. This support can only continue to grow. Folks, we want to remind you, too. That, well, it, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. It, it does underline our need to make sure those 18 to 24 year olds make it to the, to the voting booth. And I want to just, you know, definitely make sure everybody's registered and ready to go out there and do it. That's right. You're in New York State. They've got a big primary coming up there April 19th. Uh, could be huge for uh, the Democratic Party for sure. Uh, are you guys closed primaries up there in New York? It's, it's interesting. Uh, my wife and I are having a little battle about this. But, yeah, we're, we're going to definitely do it. I know that Hillary's pulling a little bit ahead, but a lot of folks here are feeling the burn. Oh, good to hear it. Uh, one final story here for our cannabis Q&A, but before we get to it, I want to remind folks, if you're a little shy and don't want to talk about this on the air, you can always send an email to Dr. Mitch directly at 420research at gmail.com. We've also got our line open 24 hours a day at 971-533-7111. You can call anytime, leave a voicemail, and if it's for Dr. Mitch, we'll make sure to use it on the show on another Monday episode. All right, this uh, last story, uh, interesting one coming from Fusion, explaining how people are finally figuring out that weed is a fantastic aphrodisiac. Is there any truth to the rumor that marijuana itself, THC or any of its components, are actually an aphrodisiac? Well, what's funny is uh, Halicus had some data on this just from a survey in 86. Charlie Tard had done it in 71. But if you look back in the old Arabian Nights tales, there's actually a story about a guy at a public bath getting really stoned, closing his eyes, and uh, showing a sign of arousal, shall we say. <laughs> so this, this isn't necessarily news. I would say the legend has been out there. I do uh, emphasize that although it is an aphrodisiac, it is not a lubricant. <laughs> yeah, be very careful that way. Uh, now, with respect to that, though, is it is it due to... I mean, I always thought that perhaps it's just the fact that the you know uh, uh, Keith Strop always has his speech about it makes food better, it makes uh, music better, it makes sex better, and so that it's not like it's an aphrodisiac specifically, but it just makes all sensual pleasures that much more enjoyable. Is that a reasonable hypothesis? I, I think it is, and when you think about just sort of a general increased sensitivity to positive reinforcers that really does kind of account for all those different effects. All right. Well, Dr. Mitch, uh, we've got plenty of marijuana. I don't know what else I can do to fulfill the testing, though. Uh, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> uh, also, let's not forget the uh, normal legislative fly-in day, the lobby day, is coming up May 23rd and 24th. Uh, you can register for that uh, and uh, come into Washington, D.C., meet Dr. Mitch, meet Keith Strop, meet Alan St. Pierre, and lobby your legislators at the federal level for an end to this prohibition. Dr. Mitch, thanks for your time, and we'll uh, talk to you again next week. I seem to be losing you, but I'll talk to you next week. All right. When we come back, we'll have time for a radical rant on supporting legalization because it's better than prohibition. I know that sounds obvious, but, you know, some people need to be reminded. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Carson doesn't believe in the Geneva Convention. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. You know, during Dance with the Stars, I started feeling discomfort. Yeah. And not only that, I was doing these old man smells. And yeah. it was kind of embarrassing because, you know, the, all the Dancing with the Stars crew, cast and crew, you know, they were all young kids. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden, this old guy would come along and do one of those silent farts, you know, that you don't know you're doing it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you smell, and everybody go, what the hell smells? And, you know, and you knew it was me. And, and so I'd scurry off to the bathroom, you know. And that's when I knew that there was something wrong. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on cannabisradio.com Welcome to my world. Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin. The instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. We must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it. and didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. Well, today's Radical Rant, once again, is brought to you by my Facebook feed, as it often is. And today I went to my Facebook feed to see uh, a post that someone had made, someone I know uh, in California who's a you know, friend of mine, you know, known this guy for quite a long time. But uh, the post was one of those meme pictures, you know the kind, you know, post a picture or something, put some impact font over the top and bottom and try to say something sarcastic or witty or whatever. And uh, this one was a picture of some of the language from the Adult Use of Marijuana Act in California. Specifically, it was a paragraph of the language that specifies for people over the age of 18 who are caught with more than an ounce or more than four grams of concentrate that they are subject to a misdemeanor that could cost them up to $500 fine and six months in jail. I may be wrong on the exact particulars, but I'm close, and really the exact particulars don't matter for the purposes of this rant, okay? So there's a part in, in the Adult Use of Marijuana Act that says anyone 18 and older busted with more than what's legal, more than an ounce, more than four grams of concentrate, you could get a misdemeanor, $500 fine, six months in jail. So when I saw this, the first question I asked my friend was, what's the penalty for that now? Like, if I'm over the age of 18, and I got more than an ounce on me, what will they do to me now? And so my friend responded that what they do to you now, if you're caught with more than an ounce on you, is you could get a fine of up to $500 and a misdemeanor that could cost you up to six months in jail. In other words, it's exactly the same penalty as it is now. Right now, more than an ounce, $500, six months. After Adult Use of Marijuana Act, more than an ounce, $500 fine, six months in jail. It's the exact same penalty. 
So I responded to my friend. I said, so you're no more punished now than after. It's no more different. It doesn't change. And that's when he responded to me, yeah, that's the point. It's not legalization if people can still go to jail. Nobody belongs in jail for a plant. (laughs) Folks, I really am struggling to understand this logic. The idea here is that we can't accept 20% of legalization or 40% or 80% or 99% or 1%. We can't accept any movement forward unless we get 100% legalization. If we can't have a situation where absolutely nobody goes to jail for weed in any circumstance, then we're supposed to keep the prohibition we have now where anybody who grows a plant goes to jail, where anybody who possesses more than an ounce goes to jail, where anybody who possesses under an ounce gets a ticket. We should keep that rather than moving forward and having a situation where 21-year-olds can have an ounce or less anywhere. Anywhere. They could keep it in their pocket and have an ounce everywhere they go in California. We should reject that and keep it so that people get a ticket because people who have more than an ounce would still go to jail, just like they do now. We have a situation now in California where anybody who cultivates a single marijuana plant is a felon that can go to prison for 16 months to three years. Any marijuana plants, single plant, seedling, 16 months, three years, prison, felony. We should keep that rather than having a situation where any adult can grow up to six plants and no city could ban that indoors because the people who grow more than six plants could get a felony with 16 months to three years in prison, just like they can now. So let's, let's be clear. We should reject the Adult Use of Marijuana Act. We should allow people with an ounce to still get a ticket and with a plant to still get a felony because after it's passed, people with more than an ounce or more than six plants would get the same exact punishment they get now. It makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> now, there is one circumstance in the Adult Use of Marijuana Act that makes life worse for a cannabis consumer. One. And that is public toking penalty. Right now in California, the penalty for getting caught toking in public is a $100 ticket. After the Adult Use of Marijuana Act, it will rise to a $250 ticket. That's it. That's the only thing that gets worse. Everything else gets better or stays the same. What happens here is that a lot of people that read these initiatives don't recognize the difference between the text that's being added to the law and the text that is merely restating the law. Okay, so so here's how this works. You used to have a law, the law that you have now, and this law says anyone 18 or older who gets busted, who has an ounce or less, gets a $100 ticket. Current law, $100 ticket, 18 and older. Also current law, over that ounce, misdemeanor with a fine and a possible six-month jail sentence, right? So that's your current law. 18 and older, under an ounce, ticket. 18 and older, over an ounce, misdemeanor. So when they write the new law, the Adult Use of Marijuana Act, they write the new law, they write a part that says if you're 21 and older and you have less than an ounce, it's legal. So now you have an old law that was 18 and older, ticket. New law, 21 and older, legal. 
And so that brings into question what remains for the people 18, 19, and 20. Similarly, you've got a, a, a new law that says 21 and older over that ounce, there's X, Y, and Z penalty, which also brings into question, okay, what are we going to do for the 18, 19, and 20-year-olds? So what happens is in the new law, they rewrite the section that already exists in law, the already existing ticket or the already existing misdemeanor, but they have to rewrite it for the new age group that exists, the 18, 19, 20, rather than it being 18 and older. So whenever you see something in a medical marijuana initiative, in a legalization initiative, in any of these initiatives that comes your way, the fr- and, and it looks bad to you, like you see something that says, wait a minute, a felony for this or that, or a misdemeanor for this or that, or a fine for this or that, that sounds terrible. Ask yourself whether or not that's the law now. And nine times out of ten, it is. It's already what is currently the law. And they're just restating it for technical purposes, restating it because it has to be back on the record under the new, you know, to take account of the new legalization. So far, I've only seen one situation that made the law worse in legalization, markedly worse for cannabis consumers, and that's the state of Washington. And in the state of Washington, where they came up with the per se DUID. That was worse. That made things worse for cannabis consumers. And the fact that they didn't include home grow in Washington state, that didn't make things any worse though, because home grow didn't exist before. So in Washington state, you actually had a law where it got better for possession and shopping, got no worse for cultivation, but it got worse for driving. And for me, that was a tough decision because my baseline thought process on evaluating marijuana legalization is does it in any way make things worse for cannabis consumers and in washington state it did it made it worse for cannabis consumers by making us subject to an unscientific duid standard and i had to balance that i had to say well is that duid worse a worse thing than legalization is good Is the evil of per se DUID worse than the good of legalization? And I decided that legalization outweighed the DUID. And it turns out I was right. Turns out that the arrests went way down in Washington state. The prices went way down in Washington state. And the DUIs did not significantly increase. So when you come at me on the California Adult Use of Marijuana Act trying to tell me how terrible this, that, or the other thing is going to be, I have to weigh that against Washington State, which I consider to be the worst marijuana legalization in the United States. And even it is 100 times better than the prohibition that used to exist there. So if Washington State's better off with a lousy marijuana legalization law, then certainly California will be better off with a far better legalization law than I-502. In fact, the Adult Use of Marijuana Act is a better legalization law than any of the state's legalizations so far, with the possible exception of Oregon. Here's how I say that. None of the four legal states yet have decided how to deal with public toking, public lounges. The Adult Use of Marijuana Act includes the possibility of publicly licensed marijuana lounges. So they're one step ahead of us. They're also ahead of us on protecting uh, protections for people. Like uh, they're going to protect medical marijuana patients' uh, parental rights. They're going to protect against uh, employment housing discrimination. Oh, wait, that's the uh, Arizona one. But at least the patients' uh, parental rights will be protected. Oregon may outdo California in the sense that we have um, fewer of the uh, <laughs> of the possible... We got, we've got fewer of the uh, felonies rem- uh, remaining in our law, that's for sure. So that is one way that we're definitely better. All right, folks. Well, that's all the time we got for today. Thanks for joining us here on the Russ Belville Show. 
And uh, folks, I'm going to have to call it a day for today because things are so screwed up on this laptop that it's not at all programmed for hour two. And it's just going to drive me nuts trying to figure it out and talk to you at the same time. So let me get this all worked out. We'll be back tomorrow with a full two-hour show. We'll get some replays going in the meantime, and then stay tuned at 5 o'clock. Stoner Jesus comes to you live here on CannabisRadio.com. Thanks for all your support. You can find me online as Radical Russ Everywhere. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a scene, you're